Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. The first question is in the answer. So what is a normal time frame to introduce a healthy sex life after betrayal? D-Day was almost five months ago. My SA husband is back in our home after a four-month separation. We decided to stay together and have been working on us the entire time. We are both in therapy, separately and together. We are pressed practicing imago dialogue and trying to create intimacy through strengthening our communication. I know what he would like for our sex life to ramp up, but I'm not sure I'm ready yet. He is not in all caps pushing me and is being patient. I struggle between feeling guilty that I'm not giving him his need and angry because of memories and flashbacks. Is this normal? And when will it stop? So that's a lot. And we're going to unpack it. So, um, I think I can jump in there first, actually, if that's okay. Um, So um, first of all, five months is not very long at all. And then you were separated for four months. So it just all seems very early. And um, I I don't think there's any reason to have an expectation that sex is going to happen now. So I want to alleviate your guilt and say, you know, it seems early. But the real question I wrote down is what is sex? Because, you know, if you're talking about vaginal or anal intercourse, I don't know that you're ready for that, but could you hold hands? Could you do massages? Could you take a shower together? You know, can you make choices that bring you closer and more intimate without having to have penetrative sex or necessarily, you know, oral or just one of the things that I hear from all of you is what is intimacy? How do we create intimacy? And here is the door, which is, um, are we opening up to each other? Are we being more emotionally present? Are we reaching out? And I hope he's saying to you, I want to be sexual. And you are saying to him, I'm not ready. And I hope that because that's intimate. So if you're looking for intimacy, you can start right now. Um, even asking this question is intimate because you're being vulnerable. You're asking something difficult and it moves me toward you. The more open people are with each other, the better. So I would just I think it's a, I think first of all, you should have the discussion with him. I would read this whole thing to him because it's intimate and you need, you're struggling with this. And it isn't something I would keep a secret from my partner. And then the other thing is because you're both in it together. And the other thing is how can you create physical and emotional intimacy um, now as you're moving forward until you're ready for all, you know, more uh, intense forms of sex. And my last answer is, as Tammy's heard you say a million times, don't have sex with anyone you don't trust. So until, you know, he may be acting right, he may be doing great, he may be, but do you inside of you feel safe? Now, I understand no spouse is ever going to feel completely safe. But, and by the way, it is very normal to go from, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you. That's very typical for our folks. We call it ambivalent love. And sometimes it makes partners crazy because they're thinking, but five minutes ago, I was thinking I love them. And then, you know, so I get that. But I wouldn't base your desire to have sex on how you're feeling in the moment, good or bad. It needs a bigger um, arc. Like in the last few weeks, how are we communicating? How are we getting along? How are we building intimacy? And if he's really open to helping you take it slow, then then start by holding hands and walking down the street. Um, so t- that was my best job at unpacking that, Tammy. I think that was great. And, you know, we've talked before on this one, and Dr. David talks too about sensate focused, um, where it's 
you know, maybe he rubs your feet, you know, but like, like, and I get the um, memories and flashbacks, but, you know, there are different things to do uh, so that you're not wondering what is he thinking about while we're having penetrative sex? I mean, like all of those things, it's normal, you know, but, but are there other things you can do? I, I think holding hands, having intimate conversations, like, you know, I being vulnerable, both of you, you know, and being seen and heard, that's really meaningful. I hear lots of positive. I, I have to affirm, you know, that, you know, I, he's back in our home. We're, we're committed to working on this. I hear lots of positive. So, you know, giving yourself some, um, some, some grace that it's very early in the process, but you're, you guys are both, it sounds like very committed to, you know, continuing, um, continuing the journey together. So, Hey, Tammy. Yeah. Did um, what I typed in come up? Because I, I never know whether it does or not. Uh, it does. And I think everybody can see it, but I'm okay. going to put it in the chat so, as Because everyone. Tammy was talking and I, uh, and I wasn't, what she will ordinarily do is put something. So I put a site in for you guys about Sensate Focus and explaining how it's about building sexual intimacy. Um, and it's pretty much a typical exercise, no matter who you read it from. This is a particularly good read. So, um, and you don't need a sex therapist. You could just start. Um, there are books there. Are, you know, we don't know much more than you do. We just tell you to go do this. So um, there's a good article. I would get started. Tammy's absolutely right. It's a great place to start sexual connection. And I put it in the chat for everyone too. So you can click the link and go there. Um, so, and if for those of you, if you're on the um watching this later email me i will save it for myself and so that i can send it but it's cornell.edu sites health just email me how tammy. do they email you tammy you tammy t-a-m-i at seekingintegrity.com so yes okay. happy to help thank you okay next one i'm the betrayed spouse married 41 years in-house separation for six months mm -hmm. so far and full therapeutic disclosure was five months ago SA husband is sexually sober and doing good recovery work with a CSAT, 12-step groups, mentor and sponsor. Things are going with us well with us until I'm triggered by something. If I ask, if I then ask a clarifying question about his past acting out behavior and the connection is it has to my trigger, he reacts defensively. Is this typical? We both want the relationship to heal, but my sense of safety takes a hit when this happens, and I don't see us moving forward until he can respond with emotional stability. Your input is appreciated. By the way, I'm asking reasonable questions, not unhelpful details type stuff. Uh -huh. So so let me clarify for, we're sorry, Tim, I'll jump on that. Yeah, what, what she is saying, what she's saying is absolutely right. This, this person is writing in, which is if you're running around saying, you know, how many times did you have sex and how many orgasms did you have and how big are his or her whatever's, that's not questions that I don't think any sex addict should answer because it's not good for the relationship. It's not, you know, I went here, I did this. That's what we do in disclosure. We don't give sexual details. And if you guys, and I know many of you spouses want those sexual details. And let me just explain. It's based on experience. Once you picture the addict doing this with someone who looks like that, and then they're doing this, it's very hard to get it out of your mind. And if you ever want, you can't unknow something, you can't unsee something. Mm -hmm. So once you have that in your head and you, if you move toward trust and sexuality, it will kind of be in your head like, well, they were with this person. Should I look like that? Should I be like that? Is that what he really likes or she really likes? So information, yes. De sexual details, no. Um, and then, Tammy, I think this is an out-of-the-doghouse question personally. So maybe you could speak to that. Well, yeah. I, so so a little bit I'm, I'm wondering because, you know, uh, 
full therapeutic disclosure was five months ago. So I don't know how long you, I mean, you've been on the journey for 41 years. I got that, but, um, but you know, then separation for six months. So, um, so yes. So we have a work group on the seekingintegrity.com site that is how to rebuild trust, how to, you know, and it's a work group. It's not therapy. We have therapy. I mean, we have treatment at, you know, um, you know, we, we do residential treatment. We address a lot of this stuff it's it's not just about stopping the behavior which is critically important but addressing the underlying issues and learning to have you know like what does empathy look like how do how do we even start um um and not get stuck in a shame cycle or whatever so that's a little bit of what i was hearing though is he reacts defensively so he doesn't have the emotional strength yet um to be able to not go to his shame space the other work group that i would suggest is um uh i think the attachment wounds because i have a feeling his judge is coming out and he's you know whatever so so troy love does an amazing job with that work group so so there's options on the the seekingintegrity.com site for that but but you're still also early in the journey. I know you've been doing this a long time, but for 41 years, he's been able to, you know, go in a completely different direction, unfortunately, um, with his, uh, you know, anyway, so, so, so him stepping up and, and, you know, I think having the check-ins, you know, the Thanos is really good if you guys haven't been doing that. I think also having the space, um, uh, like setting a time instead of it just asking a clarifying question and it could come at any particular time, you know, write it down in your little journal paper and say, you know, like at certain times of the week, we're going to, we're going to talk about these things. And then he's got the ability to, to bookend it. He can call his sponsor before he can call his sponsor after he can go, what do I need to do? And, you know, to hold for 20 minutes while we have this discussion, you know, so, so it's, you know, it may set you up in a different way so that there's the ability, we know we're gonna talk about some difficult things. We're gonna do it for 20 minutes. There's support on both ends and we'll come back to it if we need to you know, come back to it in version two. But, but um, that can help just you know, so that the addict can be prepared and not feel like, oh, I didn't know and now, you know, and, and, and reacting, which is unfortunately what we do. Yeah, and I was going to add, because Tammy's absolutely right, um, I don't know about pieces of paper, not everyone uses paper anymore, Tammy, but if you want to, um, what I'm really suggesting and Tammy's saying is put on your schedule Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Saturday night, we're going to talk for 45 minutes, and this is all we're going to talk about, and then when those questions come up for you during the day, as they often do, and you want to run to them, and, and I'm not saying you do this because it's in the, not in the letter, but nonetheless, in the note, but nonetheless, Think to yourself, oh, well, we're going to talk about this tonight, or we're going to talk tomorrow night, or if you know that there's a time coming up, like Tammy said, it reduces some of the stress. When do I bring this up? How do I bring this up? And quite honestly, for us, it's very hard all day long to be in the middle of doing whatever and, and having to answer these very difficult questions. It's not that we don't want to. It's just, you know, I'm in the middle of typing a letter and someone comes in and says, you know, uh, where did you meet with them, this hotel or that? It really doesn't it doesn't help either one of us. And Tammy put it in the chat. I want to say, I wrote a book about this for this issue. I'll say it to all of you. I have never met a man yet in all of my years of work who knows how to repair infidelity with a woman. So I wrote a book called Out of the Doghouse. This is for men who do not understand empathy and compassion for a woman they have cheated on. And part of this is being a man 
because we look at sex differently and we don't fully understand what you're going through. And we want it to go away and you to be better and not be angry at us anymore. So what I did, and someone was just telling me this, Tammy, I wrote a book from a woman's perspective. I took oh, all of the things that we do. And I said, if your, your partner probably feels this, your partner probably feels that what your partner wants to hear is this, they want to hear that. So I gave them step-by-step directions about how to heal a relationship where you've cheated on a woman. Um, a lot of the guys I will say want to get to this first, like when we're teaching our courses, you know, if you're a sex addict, you should take sex addiction 101. If you're a porn addict, you should take porn addiction 101. I do see a lot of the male spouses racing to out of the doghouse because what they want to do is find a way to be forgiven without necessarily doing the work. And this isn't all of you, but I really believe you need to work on your problem. And that is one of the ways your spouse is going to be open to your, you know, giving them more supportive answers. But I actually wrote this in detail, even things like if you, you don't have to do any of this, you don't have to be compassionate or empathic, but you can't stay in this relationship. So I laid it out for them in male language very direct about what a woman goes through and what she needs to hear, because I hear it all the time. And uh, at, just coincidentally, I don't know if you know this, Tammy, it is the most popular book I sell by far. And that's, I think, because it's for people who cheat, not just, just sex addiction. But anyway, yeah, I make it well, and, Yeah, ahead, and I hear often on that label, I hear often people go, well, you know, I, you know, I, I like I, I, I just have cheated. I'm not really a sex addict. And I'm, you know, like, how do you know, and unless you're really, really look, peeling back the layers to look, to look at things and gosh, the tools that we learn in addiction recovery can really help if it was a one-time affair, maybe, but when it's the serial cheating, hmm, you know, it makes me, makes me wonder. And at the end of the day, the relationship is in crisis. You know, this is a problem. Nobody Trust me, nobody calls me that, you know, is just wants to chat because they're having a good day. You know, people are calling because there's problems, you know, I get it, you know, I, I, and I'm okay with it. Somebody said, you you like, that must be really horrible. I said, no, I'm like, I am so grateful for my recovery. If I can give people hope and help them find the resources, yay. And we hear that regularly. And then I hear the sad, sad cases where he won't do or she, but you know, he, we, we, our treatment program is for men where he won't do anything, you know, then it's like, then how as partners can they move forward in a different way? But gosh, that guy loses out on everything meaningful in the world too, you know, it's sad, but we just fix one starfish at a time. Right. So next question, my question oh, may be, heard uh, that before. <laughs> well, the, you know, that starfish on the beach, it doesn't matter to everybody, but I'm saving this starfish. So that's all we can do is Help one starfish oh. at a time. And yeah. I was thinking about the, if you cut a leg off a starfish, it grows back. So and that's, I'm not sure true that's too. related. Yeah, but... no, no, no. It's the starfish on the beach. And, you know, the person's okay. throwing one in at a time. Can't save them all, but we can help the ones that, you know, we can help some. So, okay. Now there are starfish analogies. My next, my, the next question is my qu question may be odd, but here it goes. Is there a goal for an essay to be able to touch his wife? without feeling sexual desire. My experience, my essay husband is doing 90 days celibate for his own reason, and I'm not in a place to be comfortable with sex. We are cuddling in bed, and he asked if it was okay that he feels sexual desire or if he should be working on trying to just feel intimate closeness. I'm just looking for guidance. Thank you for your service. So, 
Well, I don't think it's an odd question. I don't think they're considering the issues we're dealing with. I don't think there are any odd questions because what we're dealing with is odd and difficult and unusual. So don't worry about that. Um, I will say, and I think this is maybe what you meant by odd, but from my perspective, uh, and I don't know this, but my guess is you're not a man. That's my guess. Because we get aroused when we get erections. That's how it works. And by the way, you don't have to... Um, necessarily be going toward we don't have to be men don't have to be actually heading towards sex to get aroused right we hold you we are connected to you or for your bodies all of a sudden we get aroused that there's nothing wrong with that i mean it's very very human what would be problematic is if that led to pushing you to sex or leaving you feel like you had to follow through something whether you felt safe or not i like the fact that you know you're not comfortable with sex you know, by the way, I've never really thought about this, Tammy, but I think it's very reasonable to say to your spouse, I'm going to need about four months and I don't want to talk about sex. I don't want to have sex. I don't want to be approached for sex. Just let's leave sex alone. And on, you know, August 1st or September 1st, let's sit down and talk about sex again, because we do tend to some sex addicts will seek sex from you because we want to feel reassured that we are loved, we are valued, we are important, you're not going to leave us. Those aren't really good reasons to have sex. So, um, you know, the reasons are because I desire you, I care about you, I'm connected to you, you know, those are good reasons. So I absolutely think it's lovely that you're cuddling in bed, but beware, cuddling is going to evoke the desire to be sexual, at least for us guys. And so, you know, one of the things that I've told God, I don't think I've said this to you either, Tammy. One of the things I tell men uh, is wear pajamas and tie the thing really tight, like make a knot so that, and you know, not the pajamas with a, with a little, what do you call those things uh, that you pee out of the little somebody to, I don't, I don't know, have one does of it those. have a name? But I anyway, make sure, just wear something that doesn't open up. And I tell the guys, tie it in a knot. And that way, you would have to be so conscious about untying the knot that you can't say, oh, well, it just happened. So cuddle all you want, get her all aroused you want, but I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing um, my sleepy clothes and, you know, they're not coming off. So there you go. Simple. Well, but I want to like, because like, I feel like he's, he's trying to be mechanical almost. It's like, you know, because he asked if it's okay if he feels sexual desire. And I'm like, I like if he's cuddling, you're like, how would it not be? I think it goes to what you're saying. What does he do with it? You know, so if it's, I'm, I'm feeling the sexual desire, I express that to you, but I'm just here, I'm cuddling, you know, and, and it isn't like pushing, like you said, towards something else. But also I can only imagine if I'm going like, I can't feel sexual desire, I can't feel sexual desire. It's like the elephant in the room. It's like, you know, what are you going to focus on? So, so, uh, you, you know, any other thoughts on that? Yes. I'm thinking about something that the words begins with the word blue, and I'm not going to say the rest of yes. it. But I am going to say that, you know, men do have a physical response to um, uh, continued sexual arousal without release. And it actually ends up causing many of us physical pain um, because our body moves into a certain place and then it isn't moving toward a release and certain parts of us end up hurting. So I do think it would be useful for you to to put a, a number on it. Let's cuddle for 15 minutes. When the alarm goes off, you know, I'm gonna read, you're gonna watch TV, we're going in the other direction because I would feel very uncomfortable as a man getting aroused for 45 minutes and not having some kind of release, not just in terms of excitement, but physically I might pay for it later. 
Um, and I know you ladies don't understand that because you don't have the same parts as us. Uh, doesn't mean I have to have sex or I have to master. It does mean that I need to maybe stay away from intensely sexual arousing situations for more than a, a few minutes because I'm going to end up feeling uncomfortable. Um, so set a time, keep it at that. But no, this is so healthy to feel aroused. And, but so going to that, re remind everybody about nocturnal emissions. If your body really, really, really needs to emit, what happens? No, Tammy, you go ahead. Okay. I will say, well, I'm not a guy, but yeah. It, so, you because know, I hear often too, I hear lots of stuff, um, but you know, like, well, I have to have sex, you know, because they're concerned about blue. Um, but it's one of those where. Um, you know, Dr. Rob has shared many times that, you know, at the, if nocturnal emissions, if your body needs to take care of itself, it will take care of itself without you having to do anything for it. So hey, did Tammy, I get it mostly right? Yeah. Can you see me right now? Cause this Not program has really changed. Like I can see you, things no, are better. All I see is your, um, picture. So come back. Okay. Hold on just one second. Um, so I'm going to pull up from Healthline. Uh, an article barn door issue. somebody put barn door that's your pj bottom barn door uh okay well okay i didn't know hold on a second. i didn't know i had a barn door okay hold on tammy i am putting in the chat to hosts and panelists that's ever no i want to, to everyone ever, everyone okay here is a uh a link thank to things, you you got it uh to information about how men end up hurting without sexual release for a long period of time. Do your okay. own research. <laughs> yes. Okay. So next question um, uh, oops, is my PASA husband of 11 years left in October, trickle discoveries, some retractions. He's currently not telling me if he would like to work on our marriage or divorce, as well as he told me that it's, it's a shame on me that I allow what was hurt him to hurt me meaning his PA and SA acting oh. out over the years, as well as my idea of monogamy is based on feminism. I feel that he's minimizing the damage and pain he's caused in breaking our family up. He's also says he's the most moral person he knows. And to that, I say, gosh, he must be in a really small audience. Um, is this typical <laughs> SA behavior? And can I see that help him? So this is a silly answer. I mean, this is only a little teeny answer. But people who say, you know, I'm really trustworthy. You can trust me. I don't trust them at all. Correct. Because why do you need to tell me that you're trustworthy, you know, unless I ask you? So somebody who says, you know, um, I'm the most moral person. Well, let's see. I'm hanging out with porn. I'm acting out sexually. But I have deep and meaningful morals and ethics. I don't think so. After what he did to you, or I guess he or she, is that right? He, he is my after, APA husband, okay. H. Yeah. So, so is cheating, lying, keeping secrets and manipulating, having a high moral code? Because if it does, then every addict qualifies in the act of addiction. So I, I actually, when I hear that time, I get angry. Me too. Because you are being so dismissed. And by the way, when his, when his, uh, you know, attack on you is what an unbelievable attack. He's talk about blaming the victim. This is blaming the victim. Why are you making my life harder when I'm the one with the problem? He hurt you. He, he lied to you. He, I don't care why you want monogamy. You do. I don't care why somebody wants to, I don't know, make dinner, but if they do, they do. So I don't need to question 
why you want monogamy. I just respect that you do. And it might be a conversation or it might not, but I respect that you do. And I think that this is a man, by the way, we are completely full. Our treatment program is now, well, we have one bed, I think. If you would like to invite him to join us at some point, um, let me know, because this is someone who who is blaming you and minimizing the pain. He's not breaking your family up. I mean, you're not breaking the family up. He is lying, cheating, porn. That's just breaking up the family. And yeah, so I think that he has, this is gaslighting, which is setting you up to blame yourself or to minimize how you feel because it's easier for him. And so in every way, uh, I would change the locks. <laughs> um, They're not living together. Here's, he's not telling me if he would like to work on a marriage or divorce. Oh, right. I'd be telling him. You know, like this is to to me abuse, just abuse that he's blaming you, gaslighting you, blame shifting, all of that type of thing. Like, do you want to be married to a man who is going to do this? Like at some, if you have, if you haven't seen a divorce attorney, you may want to start there and find out, you know, what the divorce attorney says. You don't have this stringing along. I see this again often where it's like, well, you know, so he's out doing whatever he's doing because he's a highly moral person, sarcasm dripping. And then, and then, but he gets to do whatever he's doing unsupervised. There's no, you know, accountability for him. And here you are with the house and the family and everything else, wondering and waiting if he's going to be willing to work on the marriage. Will a CSAT help him? I mean, like that, that is beyond like a 50 minute session once a week, with even the best CSAT is not enough for someone who is in so much denial. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with Dr. Rob, like, I know what I would do. I'm not telling you what you need to do, I, but I just really encourage you to advocate for you and, and your family. So, and I want to add something into that, which is, um, me thinks he does protest. Too, I can't say that protest me too much. Thinks that thou prot- protest yeah, too much. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, it's if I'm feeling guilty and bad about something I'm doing, it's so much easier to put the blame and anger on you. We have a word for this called externalizing. So my guess he's out there still doing what he has been doing, or he's doing it. In other words, it's if I'm having an affair. Number one, sorry, he walked out, which is very unusual. Most of the addicts I work with are terrified that you're going to leave or it's not going to work out. And 99% of the time they leave because you've asked them to. So him choosing to leave makes me very suspicious about what he's out there doing and then distancing and telling you how together he is. And, you know, this just feels icky on every level. So Tammy and I have said abusive, gaslighting. I was also thinking passive aggressive, which means he does things and says, oh, well, I just did that. And then you're confused and you're furious and you look like the crazy person when in everything you've said here, he's setting you up to feel and act crazy. So uh, this is not typical behavior um, of somebody who has sorry, has any desire to help and heal their relationship. So I hate to say this to you, but I wonder what he's still up to. That's where my Uh, head goes. uh, I'm pretty sure it's in the PASA category, so. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.